Philippians. Before we really do that, uh, I think we ought to all extend a big thank you to Robert Wright for doing such a killer job in the heat last week. Where's Robert Wright? That's what... So, do you want to know a joke? It's not a joke, it's just a funny story. Um, we added a row onto the front of all of these, uh, all, of, all of the sections, because nobody ever sits in the front row. So it's sort of like a wasted row, right? Everyone was sitting in the second row. So we added a row so that the people who sit in the second row would actually be sitting in the previous front row. And it, and it worked. But now some people actually sit in the actual front row, which is like, whoa. You know, so I don't, the reason I didn't see Robert is because I don't even look at the front row. <laughs> so if you think sitting in the back is good, that's exactly where I look. I'm always looking at the back. But anyway, thank you, Robert. You did a good job. Bringing God's word to bear in the lives of God's people is, 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 is a heavy burden. It's something that's hard to do. Um, and it's a real... Um, blessing that I have that not a lot of pastors have to be able to entrust someone with that responsibility and to be able to take a Sunday off. So uh, I really appreciate that. And, and Robert, you did a good job because we recorded you and I listened to it. So good job. And I'm sorry the air conditioning wasn't working. Uh, it was punishment for being in California, I think. But anyway, thank you for doing that. This morning, we're starting a new series through Paul's letter to the Philippians. If you're not familiar with the, the Bible, we usually just call that Philippians because it takes too long to say Paul's letter to the church in Philippi or, or something like that. So we just say Philippians. So we're going to be studying Philippians. Uh, and before we actually get to the letter itself, today I want to take you back to what happened before the letter. So Paul's first encounter with the uh, the people of Philippi, so his first journey out there. What brought him there, what happened there, and what can we learn from that? It's sort of their origin story. So as we are going to spend the next weeks looking at his letter to them, this week we're going to talk about just who are they, how did, how, how did they come to be. And our story starts with Paul. So Paul, interestingly enough, we have a real picture of him. Um, that's not really him. Um, the graphics were just very bad a long time ago, but um, the Apostle Paul, whose um, Roman name was Saul. So Paul is more of a, a Hebrew name, and Saul is sort, of, is sort of like Jorge and George. Jorge is the more um, Spanish uh, version of what we would Englishize as George. So Saul and Paul are really the same name, but uh, a little bit culturally different. He was a very well-educated Jew. He lived at the same time as Jesus during his earthly ministry. And after Jesus died and came back to life and ascended into heaven and the church started to grow as it did, Paul became a persecutor of Christians. There's a book in the Bible called Acts, which gives a history of the earliest Christians and the, and the church and how God used the church to spread the gospel, the, to spread the good news about Jesus. Chapter 9 of Acts tells the story of when Paul, full of uh, murderous intentions, he's on his way to Damascus to go round up more Christians to persecute. He's on his way, 
and uh, a light blinded him and Jesus spoke to him and changed his life forever. The newly converted Paul who now has seen Jesus and has encountered the Christ was commissioned by Jesus to bring the good news about him to the non-Jews, which is why we call him an apostle. An apostle means someone who was sent, a sent one. So he was sent by Jesus to specifically bring the gospel to the people who aren't Jewish because Jesus' ministry was largely to the people who are Jewish. So now Paul is going out as an apostle of Christ to the non-Jews. Initially, the other apostles and the disciples didn't trust him because he was, he was a bully. I mean, he, was a, he had been persecuting Christians, so there was a lack of trust. But eventually, Paul became influential in the early church, leading some of the theological discussions. And he went on three missionary journeys to spread the story of Jesus to other cities uh, in the area. On his first journey... Yeah! Okay, so on his first journey, he went from Antioch, uh, essentially, which is uh, the border, today's border uh, between Syria and Turkey. So this is where we are. He went from that area, he went out to the island Cyprus. Uh, they went to a couple cities there, and then he went into what we call Asia Minor, which t again today is Turkey. Um, went to a few cities there. Um, shared the gospel, and the gospel, so that we're clear, is the good news that even though you're sinful, Jesus loves you and wants to forgive you. And if you give him your life, if you follow him with your life, uh, he will forgive you of all of the things that you've done, and you'll have a new life in him. So he was sharing that message around all of these cities, and people are coming to Christ. They're giving their lives to Jesus. They're following him. They're getting baptized, and then he came back. For his second journey, Paul's idea initially was to revisit all those cities where he had been in the first journey um, and just encourage the people who were there. So, hey, we're going to make a, you know, we're just going to make a, a reunion tour, right? And he's going to go around to those cities. But that's not what ended up happening. Uh, they had a little bit of a disagreement with some people. He ended up going into, so, okay. You see where Antioch is? So he ends up going to Tarsus, which is where he's from. And then he goes to some of those cities. They don't go to Cyprus. He goes to some of those cities where they had been before, but there was a problem. In Acts 16, it tells us that um, as he's going, the Holy Spirit is preventing him from sharing the gospel. So Paul's whole idea is I'm going to go back to these cities and encourage the people who are already there, and I'm going to also share the gospel, and you know, we're going to build up those, those churches. But he wasn't able to. So they kept going. And uh, at, at one point, actually in, in, uh, in Lystra, he met Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a young man with a really good reputation in their church. Um, and uh, Paul and Silas, and Paul and Silas are on this second journey together. They decide to take Timothy with them. Um, so there, now it's Paul and Silas and Timothy, and there are, are some more people there. We know that, for example, Luke was with them because he's writing all of this. Um, uh, so it's, but the real core of the, of the group was Paul and Silas, and then they also have sort of Timothy 
and there's probably some more people that are going with them. But they could just continue on. They get to another city, and God stops them from sharing the gospel. They get to another city, and God stops them from sharing the gospel. So they just keep going, and they eventually get to this city that's basically like a harbor town called Troas. You see Troas up there um, near the top. They get to Troas, and um, if you have a Bible, open it up. We're going to uh, there was too much to put in your outline, so we're going to be jumping around a little bit. So grab your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 16, and uh, find verse 9. And if you're using the Bibles that are under the chairs, it's on page 925. So if you're, if you're looking back, chapter 16. This is when, uh, at the very beginning of the chapter, Timothy is joining Paul and Silas on this journey. It says he's well spoken of. Verse 6, it says, and they went through the region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So they keep going, and it, it lists these cities that they're going to, um, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And so they keep going, and it says in verse 8, they went down to Troas. And I feel like it should say they went up to Troas, but that's just me being a snob about directions. So they get up to Troas, and then verse 9 says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know what's cool about this? What's cool is Macedonia is part of Greece. So once you cross the Aegean Sea, you're now in Europe, technically, and you're in, you're in Greece. Macedonia is in Greece, and Paul was not planning on going to Greece. He was not planning on, on taking the gospel to Europe. He was just going to stay in Asia Minor. But guess who was planning on having the gospel go to Europe? Jesus was. So what's really cool about this is Paul's got this plan. I'm going to go back and visit the people that I know, and I'm going to share the gospel in the places that I've already been to. And every time he gets to a city, God stops him and stops him and says, nope, 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 not here, not here. So they just they, they continue on, they continue on. They get to this harbor, and then Paul has this dream where he sees a man from Europe, from Greece, across the sea, who is saying, come over here, we need your help. I need your help. And he takes that as a sign from God that he needs to, they need to cross the sea and they need to take the gospel over to Europe. Now, if that had happened to you and you felt like you were going in the direction that God had called you to go and he kept stopping you and stopping you and stopping you and stopping you, you might feel like what? Like he had abandoned you. Like he had sent you on a mission and there you go and now he's, he's I, I can't do it. I, I, must not, I must not be in the right place, right? God has have you ever had God close doors in your life? right? And you're, he's closing those doors and you're going, oh, 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 
I must, I must not be in the right place or that God's not blessing you anymore. He hasn't blessed your, your journey. Proverbs 19 verse 21 says, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, God had bigger plans for Paul than Paul did. Aren't you glad he does that for us? That he's always got bigger plans for you than your plans for you and better plans for you than your plans for you. But in the moment when you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to follow Jesus and it feels like it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. The lesson here is that when it feels like it's not working and you feel like giving up, what do you need to do? You just keep going. You just keep going. If the doors in the hallway are all locked and closed, you just keep going down the hallway. If your first step was faithful and you know you're supposed to be in that hallway, you don't turn around, you keep going. Because you might've planned all kinds of things, but God's got a different plan. God's plan is always better for him and for you. He might not use you the way that you thought. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where you show up somewhere thinking, hey, this is how, it is, this is how it's gonna go down and this is what I'm gonna do for Jesus and then God has a different plan. Here we can see that God wanted Paul to cross more borders with the gospel so that he could bring the gospel to the Greeks, to Greece itself. Um, as an aside, sometimes the question comes up in, in, our, in church or in faith about what happens to people in faraway places who, who die without ever hearing about Jesus, the destination of the unevangelized. Um, what happens to them? Do, do we really believe that they go to hell even though they never even knew about Jesus? There are different ways to answer that, but I think a really good way to start is here in Acts 16. When someone needs to hear the gospel and they're hungry for it, God sends somebody. And for Paul, it, it took God saying, nope, 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 because God has someone in Macedonia that wants the gospel, that is ready for the gospel. So he says, nope, 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 nope. Paul gets to Troas, has a dream, and someone is saying, here, I need you here. So they get up and they go. And I think, I think that's really beautiful. For, for Southern Baptists, right now, we have 3,368 missionaries who are in the field. That's just Southern Baptists. Christians have so many thousands of missionaries in foreign countries with the purpose of taking the gospel to people who are hungry for it and who haven't heard. That's our goal, to reach the unreached. And when we know that God is sending us somewhere, when, uh, if we're sensitive to him, he will send us to the people who need the gospel. And he always does, and he always has, and he always will. The next part of the story gets Paul and his team across the sea. Uh, verse 12 tells us that they arrive in Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and it's a Roman colony. That's, that's verse 12. So they get into, into Philippi. They were there for some days. 
um, and they're going out and they're preaching. Well, they, they preach the gospel, and one of the people who hears it is a woman named Lydia. The Bible says that Lydia is a worshiper of God. Verse 14 says the, wor- the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her whole household as well, she, uh, she urged us, that is, that is them, saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So they stayed with Lydia and her whole family. So they're preaching the gospel in Philippi. They preach and this woman named Lydia hears it. She's receptive to it. Uh, she introduces them to her family. She, they preach to her family. The whole family uh, becomes Christian. They, they give their lives to Jesus and they commit to following him. They repent and they're baptized. And she says, come and stay with us. So they stay with this woman, Lydia, for a while. She's the first, by the way, the first European Christian. Aren't, aren't, aren't we glad? Aren't we grateful? I'm, I'm grateful. So Lydia is uh, hosting these uh, missionaries at her home. And then one day they were, they were going to pray and they, they met a slave girl. Now this is in verse 16. They met a slave girl and uh, my Bible says, who had a spirit of divination. Another translation I was reading said a spirit of, of fortune telling. Um, she was actually making money for her owners by telling fortunes, uh, and it says by, uh, yeah, by fortune telling. Well, anyway, this slave girl who's got this evil spirit and she's fortune telling starts following, this is verse 17, starts following Paul and all of them around, saying, uh, shouting out, crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Well, you know, Yes, that's true, but when you have a crazy girl that's following you around shouting it out, that's not a good, that's not a good look, right? That's not a good look. Well, she's shouting it all the time, and if you're, if you're following along, verse 18 says, uh, this kept them from, uh, uh, and this she kept doing for many days, and then I love this, Paul having become greatly annoyed. I just love that. He's there, she's just bothering him so much that he gets really annoyed. He turns to her and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he's speaking to the spirit and the spirit came out of her that very hour. The problem is verse 19, when her owners saw that their hope of, of getting money, their profit was gone because now she doesn't have this spirit that's fortune telling anymore. They seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers uh, essentially, they lied about what, they, what these guys had been doing, and then the crowd all joined in and attacking them. They stripped them naked, this is verse 12, 22, stripped them naked and beat them with rods. And then after they had uh, you know, beat them up pretty bad, they threw them in prison um, and put them in the, the inner part of the prison, shackled with their, uh, with their feet. A couple things couple things. One, don't you want to be a missionary? Okay. Um, I think largely fortune tellers are charlatans. If you happen to find a fortune teller that's not a charlatan, that's even worse. Okay. 
So just don't mess with it. People that read your palm, tarot cards, things like that, crystal balls, mediums, it's either fake or it's evil. You have been warned. So this, this girl happens to be real, right? And she's got a, a real spirit that's fortune telling and they're making money and uh, they cast this demon out, which is a good thing. Like, thank you guys for casting out this evil demon. I'm sure that she appreciates it. But the owners who had been making money are furious. So they lie about him. They take him in front of, of the, the judge, the, the magistrate. They, they strip him down. They beat him up. And then they throw him in prison. Not probably what you wanted to find when you got to Philippi, Right? Like, you would not go back. <laughs> I'm not going back to Philippi. They, they beat us up last time. But let's read what happens next. This is uh, Acts 16, starting in verse 25. It's in your bulletin also. About midnight, again, they're in prison. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, don't hurt yourself for we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all were who, who were in his house, so the, the jailer took them back to his house. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to his family. He, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then they brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that they had believed in God. Let's notice that um, after Paul and Silas had been stripped and beaten and thrown in prison and shackled for casting out a little girl's uh, demon, maybe she wasn't little, I'm not sure, but some, some slave girl's demon, did they say, ah, forget this, we're done, we're done, shouldn't have come, shouldn't be here, we just want to leave, just send us to the next city, we're out, we're out. Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to Antioch because this is just too much. No, what were they doing? After being beat up and shackled in the inner prison, what were they doing? They're worshiping. They're worshiping these crazy missionaries. They get beat up and imprisoned. And instead of saying, forget it, we quit. Bleeding and humiliated, they worship God. For us, Again, this tells us what we should do when we're in a crisis, when we feel like God's not blessing our actions, when we feel like he's walked away, that he's, he's, he's abandoned us. 
instead of just quitting, we respond to adversity by worshiping him. So these are stories of crisis, right? Where I feel like God has sent me out, but every time I get to a a, a thing that I think I should be doing, he stops me. Well, what do you do? You keep going because God has a different plan for you. Just keep going and then you'll find his plan. You find his plan, you start living out his plan, and then you get beat up. Ever got beat up? Ever been persecuted for my name's sake, as Jesus would say? I hope so, because that means you're doing something good. That's a blessing, Jesus says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And when we get that persecution, we respond to adversity not by saying, I'm done, oh my gosh. If the Christian walk is easy for you, you might not be doing it right. So when you respond to something that's hard, we respond by worshiping him, by by putting him first. Not by putting our situation first, by putting him first, by worshiping him. And we see them praying and singing hymns. Not your hymns, their hymns. That's That's how we should respond to adversity. But that poor jailer, oh my gosh. He's, he's responsible for the jail, and the whole thing is falling apart, and all of the prisoners, he figures, are escaping. Everyone's running away, and so as soon as he notices all of the shackles have been broken, the doors are open, he's going to fall on his sword, and Paul, seeing that, shouts out to him, stop. We're staying, and just the The self-sacrifice of that, the selflessness of that moment sends the jailer running into their cell and he's full of fear and he's trembling and he falls down at the feet of Paul and Silas, these bruised, bloody guys who are shackled in the inner prison. And he says, because they've been praying and they've been singing songs, and he says, how do I get saved? What must I do? The jailer rescues them from the, from the rubble. He takes them out. They share the gospel with him. He takes them to his house. They share the gospel with his whole household. They baptize everyone. And for me, there's another lesson to be learned there, and that's when... when when we're in a crisis, when everyone else in the world would say, every man for himself, right? Every man for himself. Uh, you know, uh, women and children first, but I'm, I'm going too. Like I jump in the boat, right? And I go, women and children first, and I'll, I'll be here to help you <laughs> into, the, into, the, into the boat, right? When everyone is trying to save their own necks, Christians should be the ones who are looking out for the other people, who are putting other people first. In a crisis, like we see with with Paul and Silas, love your neighbor. Look for the other people and what they're going through. Because Paul and Silas could could have been, peace out, we're leaving. I mean, shackles broken, praise the Lord, out, and boom, like roadrunner, right? But they look around and they see this jailer who in a, in a way is their enemy, right? He's trying to keep them uh, in jail and they stop him 
and they save him. They save his life, and then they save his forever life. Because they're looking around for it. They're aware of it. They're trying to take care of it. For us, that's what we do. Because when Jesus said, love your neighbor, it wasn't a joke. When he said, love your enemy, it wasn't a joke. When we're in crisis, when there's something going on, take care of other people. Take care of other people. Love your neighbor. Live, live a life of sacrifice for them. And just in case that this uh, story is not amazing enough, in verse 35, the magistrate sent word to the jailer that uh, Paul and Silas should be released because it turns out Paul's a Roman citizen. They don't treat Roman citizens like that. And the magistrate actually comes down to the prison and apologizes to Paul and Silas for the way that they had been treated, but says, you still have to leave because people around here are still upset about what happened. So they, they need, they're asked to leave Philippi. They go to visit Lydia again, and then they say goodbye. Now, that's how the church in Philippi got started. Because now that Paul and Silas and Timothy and the gang, they're leaving Philippi, what are they leaving behind? Two believing families. Two families moms and dads and their kids who now have heard the word of the Lord. They know, the, they know the, the gospel. They know about Jesus. They can fellowship together. And that's the church in Philippi. The jailer and his family, Lydia and her family. How beautiful is that? So they leave and they've, they've planted the first European Christians in Philippi. And through it all, jumping over these hurdles and, and busting through these doors that look like things that might stop us. I mean, if I'm being honest, things that might stop me, you know what I mean? If you, if you head off in a direction and God keeps stopping you, you might think, Okay, Jesus, all right, I'm, I'll go back home. You know what I mean? You might just stop when there are more doors to knock on. If, is God stopping you? Are you doing something that you feel like Jesus wants you to do, but you haven't had that door open yet? If you are in that situation, the encouragement from God's word is keep going down that hallway because maybe you're, the door that is open is at the very end of the hallway, or maybe it's a turn in the hallway. I don't know, and I, I don't want to take the metaphor too far, but just keep going, because your plans, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the purpose of the Lord prevails. Amen? And if, if you're going and you're feeling beat up, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Just worship God in the middle of it and keep going. And then as you go, look for others, take care of the other people. If it's a crisis, in a crisis, uh, love your neighbors. Because what I'm getting from this whole thing, at every level, from keep going to worship God to uh, love your neighbor, 
is don't make it about yourself. Whatever you're going through, don't make it about you. Make it about God. Well, whatever you're going through, don't make it about you. Make it about God, and you'll see him come through. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for speaking to us through your word. I thank you that, uh, that Paul and Silas uh, had to go through um, some pretty amazing adventures, uh, things that I wouldn't want to have happen to me, getting you know, uh, beat up and thrown in prison and things like that. Uh, thank you, God, that, that they went through those things uh, for you and in your, in your beautiful, in your wonderful, and your powerful name. They did those things so that we can learn something from it. So that you could 